The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm sorry I had to subject you guys to three minutes of just Dave, but I am here now. And we are ready to have some fun. As they probably told you, we're going to talk about safeties. And as I'm out of breath because uh, I am out of shape, we're going to have some fun. And the overarching view before I kind of break into some notes before we get to the safeties. I would argue the safety group is the best group on the Vikings roster. It's deep. It's talented. There really isn't a weakness. And when you kind of combine all those factors together, boom, you have a really talented group. All next on The Real Porno Show. Welcome to The Real Porno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack, Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Uh, you guys can't see her, but I have a little Missy Claire on my lap. It was her first time at the vet today since we got her, and she was a wonderful girl. She needs to gain some weight. I wish I could give her about 80 pounds, but it might be a little... <laughs> I have enough real to spare, too. Tyler Fornis, Dave Stefano. Ah, oh, I have the wrong hand. Dave, there we go. Dave Stefano. Um, welcome. We're going to have some fun here tonight. We're going to talk about those safeties, as I mentioned. Well, let's go over a couple of news things. First, um, injuries from yesterday's practice. Andrew Booth Jr., um, undisclosed injury, walked off of the trainer, did not participate in walkthrough today. Alexander Madison, hamstring injury, did participate in walkthrough today. And it was the first time that we saw Brian O'Neill and Daniil Hunter with the ones. Now it's a walkthrough. It's not the same as full team drills that you see in practice. But it's important. They got with the ones, and that's a good thing. It's a step forward. Now you also have Tristan Jackson, who, according to West Phillips offensive coordinator, avoided ligament damage. I think that's really important here. He avoided ligament damage. Now, what was the injury? I don't know. But if you avoided ligament damage, you're doing something right. Or I guess uh, not doing something right. Something didn't go really wrong. It that's looked from a better my, thing. He may have from stretched my, him a little bit, but he didn't tear looked, him. It looked from my vantage point that it was a hamstring, but it seems to have been a knee. It, it was it was really difficult to tell because he grabbed for the hamstring, but it could have been like grabbing the back of his knee. So, look, all the best to him, and hopefully he comes back uh, feeling better before 
the end of training camp so he can continue fighting for that uh, last wide receiver spot on the roster. But let's go over a couple real quick tips. He's not going to compete for punt returner. Yeah, he hasn't been taking snaps there. Um, I, I I don't think that's really a part of his skill set, but okay. I will. Who am I thinking? This. The one from the Rams. That's, uh, that's Brandon Powell. Powell. Well, mm-hmm. let's start with Brandon Powell. Powell looked like Justin Jefferson yesterday. It was really weird. So I'm sitting with Luke Brown of Lockdown Vikings in the stands, and we're watching. Powell has the number 19. So from a far enough distance, he he looks similar. Similar body composition, X, Y, and Z. Well. All of a sudden, he's just running routes like a maniac, and he looks fantastic, and boom. Yeah, he's making play after play after play, and I'm thinking to myself, man, could this guy jump into like the wide receiver three and four conversation? Because like I'm a Florida Gator fan. You guys all know this. As a Florida Gator fan, he was never that good. He was a gadget guy. He was a slot only they used him on like a lot of running plays. Think of how the Vikings and Gators used Percy Harvin without the high end receiving ability or rushing ability, just the gadget stuff. That's kind of what Brandon Powell was. And he had great return ability. He was able to showcase it for multiple years at Florida, but never showed anything outside of that. He looked like a wide receiver the other day at practice. And I was very, very impressed. If he p- continues to play like that, he's going to make the roster as a receiver and not just a return guy. Somebody I didn't initially think was going to make the roster. I thought, ah, he's another O'Connell guy. He's probably just not going to make it, but they'll give him a shot. Well, he may end up making it anyways. This receiver room, Dave, is shockingly deep now because Jalen Rager's even having a good camp. Yesterday was a little bit of a struggle, but yeah, he dropped a pass. Ah, it wasn't just Against that. Uh, air. Stumble. It's more stumbling on releases and just the technical side of being a receiver. That's kind of where we saw the struggles yesterday. It's like everybody's going to drop passes. Garrett Meg dropped like four. It, I don't think it was actually four, but it sure felt like it. And that's, I heard it, he had a bad day. Well, he did not have a good one. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and, you know, we're talking about how deep the wide receivers are. You tease, you think safeties. Well, I'm not there yet, Dave. I'm not there yet. Um, a couple more tidbits right, here. Shut I, up and drink my whiskey. There we go. <laughs> Ivan Pace is uh, rotating with the ones, but they're kind of rotating everybody in with the ones, but it really feels like Pace is a, a borderline lock to make the team with how everybody's been talking about him at this point. And Makai Blackman is entrenched right now as the nickel cornerback. The two days of padded practice, it's been Makai Blackman, not Joan Williams. That is noteworthy. And one more tidbit before we move on to the safety room. Asesio Otomewo, the Vikings' fifth-round pick, as a defensive tackle, like, five technique. So, five technique and a 3-4. Dave, he was standing up as, like, an edge rusher yesterday. He's uh, on the Vikings' website. He's listed at 6'5", 282. So, he's a, a similar frame to Marcus Davenport, who I believe is, like, 275. He doesn't have that high... At elite athleticism for a true edge rusher, but as a deep, like a you put him on the interior, that athleticism is substantially great. It's like 93rd percentile, where it's like 63rd if he's an edge. Yeah, but so he was slide him in. it was noteworthy that he was standing up and he made a, a really nice play on the ball. And last tidbit, these defenses are giving uh, Brian Flores 
uh, sorry, Brian Flores' defenses are giving the offense fits in team drills. Harrison Smith had like three sacks during team drills yesterday, and they completely destroyed situational, uh, the situational football that the Vikings were trying to practice because the uh, offense just couldn't do anything. A lot of tidbits. If you want more, as Dave drinks his TX bourbon, is that the blended or the straight? Oh, uh, this is just the straight generic okay. bourbon, ninety proof. If, if you want more information, I did write a long column about the practice. I didn't release until like nine last night because I was so busy, and we had national night out here, and it's like an hour and a half to get back from Egan once I <laughs> once I'm uh on the road because 494 is a disaster. Um, I recommend you go check that out. Uh, all right. Eclair, what oh, do you think? Oh, before you do, before we hop out of updates, Aaron mm-hmm. yells, Pace! Yep. I, Pace is probably making the team. And I just released earlier this afternoon a updated 53-man roster projection. Pace is firmly on there. Um, watch Watch for Troy Reader, though. Uh, I think Reader is going to be... He's fine. Not great. He's not really good. He's fine. And I think fine in this inside linebacker room is good enough. So, something to be aware of. Also depends how well... If they're fine at inside linebacker, how well are they playing on special teams? Because they can stand out there, and that'll help them make the team, for sure. Hey there, Mr. Jones... Welcome everybody. Well, uh, I I hope you saw that I jumped in the chat and I'm just like, let's go at like 555 because I didn't want to want to miss your guys' little party before the show started. But it has been hey, busy that's what's great about this this channel and a whole bunch in Vikings land is you got a whole bunch of people that love their Minnesota Vikings. They love spending time with us, and we love spending time with them, and they love spending time with each other talking about all things purple, including that safety group. Yes, absolutely. So let's start talking about the safety group. And it's an interesting one, Dave. Um, we'll start with Harrison Smith. Smith, the hit man. he's finally going to be allowed to be the hit man again. He's finally going to be allowed to do a little bit of everything. And I'm really, really excited to kind of see what that potential looks like because Smith is best when he's roaming. He's best when he's not just playing a deep safety. He's best when he's able to do a lot of different things. He's best when he's getting in quarterbacks heads like Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's at his best when he's, he's able to kind of be that riverboat gambler, do a little bit of everything. Hi, Odie. Hey there, Norris That doesn't have a squeaker anymore, bud. Um, So it was noteworthy, as I mentioned earlier, that he had three sacks uh, during team drills and practice because he had those three sacks. It really shows you what Brian Flores is going to be doing. He's going to be putting these guys in position to succeed. And that's not something that should be foreign to any of you guys, because we've been talking about on the show for quite a while. Flores is going to put guys in positions to succeed. And because they're in positions to succeed, it's going to make a difference. And it's going to really take these guys to another level and they're not going to be the 31st ranked defense. They're going to be more like if I had to guess right now, I'd say 24th. I think a seven position jump essentially based on young talent taking a leap and Brian Flores is fair. I don't think it's being too 
ambitious or optimistic. I don't think it's being pessimistic. I kind of think it's right. It's in that sweet spot. And having the 24th ranked defense with, let's say, the Vikings become the sixth ranked offense, that could be good enough to get, get you to 10 or 11 wins. And we're not asking for the world here. We're asking for just, you know, playing to your potential. And I think that that could be some of those young guys get it. It could be higher. Yeah, it could be. Uh, But but let's just be real here. If if there are like six young guys, two of them are going to fail. Two of them are going to live up to expectations. It's the other two. They're going to be the wild cards. That's just kind of playing the odds. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I believe anybody's going to fail or I want anybody to fail. You just have to be realistic. Not everybody's going to be a success. About half of first-round picks aren't successes. And if they are, it's a really, really good draft class. So it's just one of those things. You have to play the odds here. And honestly, if they're just competent, Brian Flores will get them in the right positions and they'll be fine. But Harrison Smith is going to be able to do a lot of different things. He has 16 and a half sacks and 43 tackles for loss over the course of his career. Last season, zero sacks and one tackle for loss. You're obviously not using him to the best of your ability if you're not getting him the ability to be a disruptor inside the box. That's going to be different this year. They were rotating these safeties all throughout practice yesterday. Metellus was playing deep. Bynum was playing deep. Smith was playing deep. Seam was playing deep. And all of them were rotating in the box. They're going to be utilizing these players in packages and in personnel groups. And not just that using them in specific situations based on what the opposing team is giving them personnel wise. Maybe week one can't buy in the box nonstop. Maybe week two is Harrison Smith. It's, it's going to be interesting how we kind of see everything progress and develop because there is so much unknown with how Flores is going to run this defense. We can only go based off of 2018 where he was with the Patriots in 2019 through 2021 when he was with the Dolphins. Those four seasons, he was the defensive play caller. So that's all we have. And that's not a bad thing. It's I, just something you have to be aware I, of. You, there, I thought there's with the a Dolphins, he did not call the defensive plays the first year. He took back play calling the second year, and then he delegated them again the third year. I think he called them the first two years. We'll, we'll have to look that up later. There's no sense arguing about it now, but I know uh, you're right. 21 was Josh Boyer. 2022 was also Josh Boyer. And then Boyer got canned because the man only knows how to call a zero blitz. Zero blitzes are great. They can be utilized effectively, but you can't rely on them. That's part of the problem. And we saw it against the Buffalo Bills in the wildcard round where the Dolphins had a chance to win. But all Boyer was calling was a zero blitz. And Eclair was very upset by it. She was, she really wanted the Dolphins to win. And it just didn't happen. Um Right, sweet girl? Yeah. So Harrison Smith, he's on the... So there's a little confusion. I have been told that the contract was voided after this year, but it might not be voided after this year. So I'm going to have to do a little research. Dave pointed out that he thinks it was a, like just overblown, more of a, hey, we all thought it was this, but it's not. So we're going to take a look at it. But over the cap, doesn't have it officially voiding. But I think it does void because I remember that being reported. He may have an option to void it. That may be part of it. But as of right now, it's not scheduled to void. Neither OTC or the other cap site have it as voiding. I think I think he may have been, you know, he can come up and go, I want to void it. 
and he can avoid it. But he's under contract for the next 24 and 25 as well. But we'll see. And and this year, all he did was say, hey, yeah, I'll be willing to pay less here. I'll give you more money back. Which mm-hmm. which tells you something about Harrison Smith and what he feels like about your Minnesota Vikings and how he wants to be here for his career. And he said that. He wants to be here for his career. And we hope that's the case. And like I said, if he gets a seventh Pro Bowl, that almost locks him into the Pro, Pro Football Hall of Fame, which we all think he deserves. So... Hopefully he stands out. I think he's excited about playing with B-Flow and getting back to what, you know, Zimmer sort of had him do, where he's in the box. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's up. He's back. He's deceiving, which is Mm -hmm. one of B-Flow's prime things to do, to mess with offenses' heads, their coordinators, and especially their quarterbacks. He's a master at it. I can't wait to see him once the season starts. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. And it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's uh, let's continue to move on with the safety room. As you can see, little Missy Claire. Claire, can you, can you turn around for the good people? No, nah, she doesn't want to. She's... <laughs> She's pretty stressed being in the office, and Odie is just like, dang it, Dad, let me hang out. And, well, that's just the way it is. Um, all I right. do want to welcome Get Sarah up. and Freddie. I saw you guys come on. And Freddie, it seems like it's been a long time since I've seen you. Hope all is well. And Sarah, Sarah defends us in the NFC North. She's a She's a good woman. There we go. There we go. All right, let's talk about Cam Bynum. There we go. All right, let's talk about Cam Bynum, the former cornerback from uh, Cal, drafted in the fourth round. They drafted him as a safety, and he's only played safety, but it looks like with some of these big nickel packages, we're going to see Bynum up at the line of scrimmage. We're going to see him play in the slot. I think he's fully capable of playing in the slot, and with that cornerback background, you don't necessarily lose your ability to be a technical cover guy, the only thing that Cam Bynum doesn't have is just the athleticism and speed to be able to do so on a full-time basis, which is why he ended up as a safety in the National Football League. Good, excuse me, good corners become safeties because, well, they can't cut it speed-wise. A lot easier to do that as a safety because there's it's, responsibilities are just different. But Bynum has to play a lot of cover two and a lot of quarter-quarter half and those responsibilities. He got burned a few times. One of them being by a referee against Washington that went for a touchdown. Um, unfortunate because he was in perfect position to get an interception and it went for a score. That's kind of the epitome of the Minnesota Vikings, which I recommend if you have time, Dorktown from Secret Base from SB Nation just released part one of a seven part documentary in the Minnesota Vikings. And they're, it's going to be like seven hours long. These guys are insane. And I mean that in the best way. I don't know if it's going to be better than Luke Braun's because Luke Braun did a wonderful, wonderful job. And he just, because he's one of us, he just gets the pain. But to see an outsider try to do it justice is going to be really, really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. Just came out late last night. 
and it's available on YouTube. So keep ta- tracks yep. of it. Drops every Tuesday between now and the start of the season. And then except for episode seven, which will drop the Friday, the 8th, September 8th. So we have one a week, boink, boink, boink. If you want to, I want to go watch it because those guys are great at telling stories. Mm-hmm. And they supposedly have stuff that nobody's seen before. And it's it's going to be interesting. We all know how it turns out. Right, we've yeah. lived it, but it's it's going to be fun, and for especially for younger Vikings fans to learn the heritage and all the stuff that we've all gone through, and w- what it means to be a fan on this team, and how we absolutely you know buy in and have gotten our hearts broken, and KOC talked about being out and about in town and getting stopped at. Home Depot and people shaking his hand and saying hi. And he goes, I've heard so many stories of missed kicks. And he goes, honest, we're trying. We want to bring a championship to Minnesota. So gotta love it. Yeah. I recommend you check that out. Um, yeah, not really a whole lot on Bynum. He's kind of just a stalwart guy. And that's one of the reasons why people are predicting scene to take over for him last year and we'll transition into scene right now look i'm just gonna not beat around the bush scene stinks at special teams he is not good at it and eventually that's not going to be an issue but because he's not a starter right now you want him to be playing special teams you want him to be able to do those kinds of things and that's kind of a necessary evil um when he's playing defense and a lot of the reps that we saw at practice were really, really good. And I was really impressed by him being able to do a lot of those things. And I'm really excited to see how that continues to grow because that in itself is going to tell you what he is. Because remember, he's coming off of that broken leg and that is a gnarly injury when it's not just like a crack where it's a fracture compound fracture means it breaks the skin that bone bones broke. There was ligament damage. There was other damage, but he's shown he's, he's planted on it and cut on it and he's accelerating on it. He looks ligament damage. I think it was just the bone breaks because if it was ligament damage, it would have been a lot worse. I'd heard he had messed up the ligaments as well. We'll have to look that up. Um, but seeing we, we got to be patient with him. We really do because is he's essentially playing out a rookie year again. And is that fair to him? I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a tough deal because he only had two defensive snaps last season. And on top of that, he's learning another defense and having to do so while trying to be fully recovered from that leg. It's, it's a tough one and we want him to be great right away, especially because Kyle Hamilton was drafted a couple of picks later by the Ravens and look at the success he's having. Well, it's just, we're just going to have to be patient and be okay with it. And that's, that's just kind of the name of the game. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it for seeing. I'm excited to kind of see how he's utilized. He had had that rep that went viral on social media where he jumped the route on Jalen Rager 
he's able to kind of click and close. When he plants and explodes forward, he's tremendous. And it's it's very interesting to kind of see what he is and like how he's trying to utilize some of that stuff. But he just he needs more. He needs the ability to uh, like play smarter. And he's a smart guy, but playing that like, you want a place so you don't have to think. You can react. Thinking is the worst thing you can do on a football field. Why? If you think you're wasting time. And if you're wasting time, you're getting game beat. over. Yeah, you're getting beat, especially in the secondary. So you have to be able to uh, process. It, it, it doesn't matter what position. Linemen, if they've got to think, they're getting beat. Backs, if they've got to think, they're getting beat. It's got to be subconscious. Yeah, and thinking is is bad. You want to do that on the sidelines. You want to be able to drill some of that during the week so you don't have to do that on the field. And Cena's is just, he's getting there. And we have to be patient. We have to understand that he's hes going to take time. Um, we've seen a lot of talk about Andrew Booth Jr. Got hurt yesterday. And before that, he was the fifth cornerback. He's probably not going to start. And he's going to need to really step up and in the limited reps that he gets, prove that he is that guy right now. It's not looking great, but he's only in his second year. It's early in training camp. There's a lot of time left. So as frustrating as it is, just be patient. Next up, we have Josh Metellus. Metellus is an interesting case. I didn't think he would make the team um, most of the off season because, well, you just drafted a safety in Jay Ward. You're probably not keeping five. And as great as he is in special teams, you're not cutting Bynum. You're not cutting Smith. You're not cutting Seen. Who's the guy out? Metellus. But it seems that uh, Metellus is going to make the team. He's going to have a really big impact. And one of the reasons that people are, are talking about him so much is that his football IQ is so high. And he's got a great special teams acumen. Yeah, obviously, the two block punts, one against the Giants in Week 16, one against the Packers in Week 17. And he plays on pretty much every special teams unit and does a lot of really positive things in that realm. But he hasn't really played a lot of defense. Uh, He played a little bit last year. uh, The first Detroit Lions game, he had that game-winning interception. And the play before the game-winning interception, he had a almost interception. So he has shown ability to be a really good football player and be able to do a lot of different things. And Brian Flores is using his intelligence to his advantage because he's going to be using him as a rover. And what that means is it's it's like big nickel. It's a hybrid safety linebacker. So you're playing in the box, but you can you can really play deep. Um, a lot of what Derek uh, Brooks would do for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the day, it's that he's he's able to play close to the line of scrimmage and then bail straight back. And those kinds of things are important and it helps you be able to disguise coverage when you have players that can do those kinds of things where they can get up to the line of scrimmage and play deep. Oh my gosh, Eclair, you farted and it smells really bad. <laughs> um, so Metellus is going to be asked to do a lot of different things and the special teams acumen. Um, <laughs> now for Metellus, if you want to learn more about it and his football IQ, I saw in my email that, uh, Matthew Collar wrote a detailed piece today. So if you subscribe to him, you can go check it out. Freddie, your starting corners right now 
look to be Murphy, Evans, and then they're sort of deciding which sort of nickel package they're going to. If it's a corner, Blackman, big nickel, be Metellus. Big yeah. nickel just means three safeties, two corners. Yep. So there's your answer. Yep. And Metellus being able to do a lot of those things is going to be a net positive for the Vikings. I'm really interested to see how, how things go. And that this is one of the reasons why the safety group is as deep as it is. We haven't even talked about fourth round pick Jay Ward yet. And Ward is a very interesting case too, because Ward is actually like, he's also a cornerback. He plays corner. He plays uh, safety. He's played literally everywhere. And because he's played everywhere, that makes a massive difference. He has over 150 snaps at slot corner, outside corner in the box and deep safety. So this is a guy who plays everywhere. He struggles a little bit to tackle, but he is also really good at some of the little things. He's he's physical. He knows how to attack. He has good ball skills and that versatility. So no matter what's going on on defense, you're going to be able to find a spot to play this guy. Kind of reminds me in that sense of what they had in New England for so long in Patrick Chung, where Chung could literally line up everywhere. Um, the McCordy twins have the ability to line up everywhere. Now it's not a one-to-one as far as play style. It's just usage. They can do a lot of different things. And that is a massive net positive for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know how much playing time Ward's going to get. I could see these defensive backs doing a lot of rotation, seeing guys like the ninth to 10th DBs on the roster getting 15, 20% snap shares just because they're doing a lot of rotations. Um, flatulence fluff nuggets. You hear that? You're a little flatulence fluff nugget, Eric Claire. Uh, but uh, I'm very intrigued to see Ward. They view him highly. They did trade down uh, to acquire him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't like not like him. Corner the cornerback class was really good, and he's a cornerback slash safety. So they felt like they could make that move. Um, uh, Aaron, the DT from LSU, Jaquel and Roy, very good. But at the end of the day, we're not talking DTs today. We already talked about those. Um, I recommend you go back uh, to our YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. You'll be able to find all of the state of the roster videos that we have done for every position. Sarah asked, would you say Flores is the best DC in the NFC North? Him or Eberflus? Um, Eberflus, obviously the head coach of the uh, Chicago Bears. He's a tremendous play caller on defense. And that, yes, the Bears get memed and he's the head coach but he's a tremendous play caller. So that can't be understated. And, but I would probably still lean Flores. He's really, really good. Um, last guy on the safety spot, as I readjust for sweet little Eclair is Theo Jackson. Um, I think his role is going to be mainly special teams. I don't think he has a lot of upside to play uh, uh, like an every down safety but he can play in the slot. He can play over the top. He can do a lot of different things. And the it's the special teams element. I don't think he makes the team because we're already keeping five projected, but it's something to be aware of. Um, he is probably going to be your first DB off of the practice squad. 
And that's kind of what he was last year. He ended up getting elevated from the 53-man roster. Um, but, yeah, I, I I just think that's kind of it for Jackson. I don't think he's going to be um, long for this roster. Yeah, otherwise, that that's pretty much it with the safety room. This is a, a talented group, but it's there's not a ton to talk about here because a lot of it is chalk. It's they're going to be X, Y, and Z. They're, they're kind of already positioned to where they're going to be. And you're hoping scene can break out. This is a talented group. And I'm really excited to kind of see how this group progresses throughout the next few months, because we're going to see a lot of growth and evolution here. Well, I want to, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the big nickel. And for those that don't know, a regular nickel is when you have the three corners on the field. You match corner, and the nickel position is usually a smaller guy, and he's matched up against a, a fast wide receiver who's in the slot. A big nickel is usually a safety. They bring in three safeties and two cornerbacks, and that third safety comes down on that slot receiver, and it may be not a little fast, shifty wide receiver. It may be a tight end lining up in the slot, and they want the bigger guy on him to get the better matchup. So that's why they're doing it, and Flores likes that a lot. So I think it's a good thing that we're going to see quite a bit of it this season. Yeah, and Flores is going to be deploying these guys in a really positive manner and getting them in position to really attack and be aggressive, but they're also going to be smart. Um, one of the things that Kevin O'Connell was talking about, it's not being aggressive to be aggressive. It's being aggressive when they're going to attack you, but understanding how to be safe as well. Um, I didn't phrase that exactly the same as O'Connell did, but that's the gist of it. It's when they're going to attack you, how are you going to counter and how are you going to be ready to stand guard? And I think Flores is going to have these guys ready to rock and roll. And I'm really excited about that. It's going to be really fun, fun defense to watch this preseason. And we only have eight days left, Dave. Next Thursday, the Minnesota Vikings kick off their first preseason game at the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Which means tomorrow night is the Hall of Fame game. And it was asked, do you watch the Hall of Fame game? There's a bunch of people saying, no, I don't do it. My response was, yes, I'll have it on. It's my preseason to warm up and get in shape my eyes for watching all day live football. So you betcha. Football mm -hmm. is in the air. We have the, the Hall of Fame game tomorrow and then a week from now. Vikings at the Sea Chickens. I will say that I would normally be watching the Hall of Fame game, but I will actually be at practice, so I will not be able to watch the Hall of Fame game. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I can catch it uh, while be. I'm working today on Friday. So, but that's going to be it. Um, we will have more content here later this week. Obviously, you have Dave's two old bloggers the Vikings daily opener and the occasional show from um, Justin uh, purple and gold for days that you see in the chat here. And there is going to be uh, potential for more 
Don't forget, next Monday, I will be at practice. So the show may start a little late. So just be aware of that. Dave will communicate with you after I communicate with him. It's all going to be how fast I can get home from TCO, uh, taking 494 up to Delano. And that is, that, that's honestly the big thing, is trying to get home from practice. It's not even to do the show. It's just getting home. That's the tough part. But we'll have more. And obviously, you can find all my written work at vikingswire.usatoday.com, where I'll have a practice breakdown it I'll probably drop Friday morning because I'm not going to post it when I get home at like 11 p.m. But we'll have <laughs> And there will be a lot more coming here throughout. And I just posted, as I mentioned earlier, my 53-man roster projections. Go check that out. Let me know what you think. Let me know where you think I was right. Let me know where you think I was wrong. What your take is on the situation. And let's have some fun. This is Vikings football. We are eight days away from them actually kicking off a real game, and I cannot wait. Don't forget to hit that like button, the subscribe, and same thing with the podcast feed. If you like it and you want to hear a little bit more of different stuff, make sure you go hit subscribe there too. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. The one thing we always say is Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.